Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you book out five workshops for every workshop you deliver. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the First Time Facilitator podcast. I'm so thrilled you're here. Thank you for clicking play on this podcast. Now, let's really just pause for a sec. Let's pause and talk about that phrase I just mentioned, helping you book out five workshops for every workshop that you deliver. I have been heads down, quietly working on a program in the background with a group of eight people around the world, and it's called Booked Out Facilitator. We're coming together to explore that question of how can you book out five workshops for every workshop that you deliver. Next week, I'm hosting a masterclass on this very topic where you can steal my booked out facilitator framework to land repeatable workshop bookings. It's a free class packed of value. I promise you that. And you can find it over at leannehughes.com forward slash webinar. And in today's episode, it's actually another solo show. I'm honestly, I'm really surprised how popular last week's solo episode was. I've had a lot of feedback on that one. So thank you so much for reaching out. This week, I'm responding to a listener question on this topic of how can we get repeatable workshop bookings. I'm just letting you know, by the way, your favorite format will return. I do have some incredible interviews already recorded in the can with amazing facilitators from all around the world, which I will release. I just wanted to retain the energy from last week's episode and share with you some things I'm discovering while I create content about booking out and I hear from you, aspiring freelance facilitators or those of you who have been brave enough to step out and start your own thing. By the way, before I launch into this week's mini-sode, a couple of things. Thank you. A big shout out and thanks to Mel Loy, Lauren, Maria McDonald, and Jason Weiss for the coffee shouts. Uh, You have no idea how much they make my day, along with your beautiful personalized messages. Um, I'm overjoyed that the ideas I simply record from these four walls at home sent across the world are having an impact on you and your businesses and your lives. So thank you. You can visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash Leanne Hughes to support the show. Of course, if you'd like to continue the conversation when the podcast is over, join our community of 1400, 1500 facilitators from all over the world. It's on Facebook. A link to that is in the show notes, which you can find at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash episode 176. Now onto the show. Here's the question I received. Hello, I really dislike asking for free advice, but I'm otherwise going to sit on a puddle of, I should have asked Leanne forever. I thought that line was awesome. I could have taken it out, but I wanted to share it with you. Anyway, uh, continues. I have no idea how to turn our initial client workshop into multiple ones. They love the day and we have a few months of follow-up because the technical implementation is important to them. But how do I now get others into the workshop? I know they have a lot more people in their organization who need our work. I don't want to just wait and have it fizzle out. I'm getting into my framework and specifics in my webinar next week. But in the meantime, I want to share a teaser of ideas. First of all, congrats on not waiting and sitting idle. I do think this is the biggest mistake that we make. We know that word of mouth referrals are the major driver of our business, yet we don't look at ways to optimize or orchestrate word of mouth. And it's absolutely possible. Just a quick response to your specific question that I'll talk about some philosophies and ideas that I had. The fact that you have opportunities of follow-up because the technical implementation is important is the most amazing opportunity for you. It gets you a foot in the door to have conversations. And through that, 
what I guess it sounds like your work is technical. So there's obviously an, an end goal or a transformation of where they want to be and where they are now. And so what I'd suggest is mapping that and maybe even getting everyone to do a self-assessment on where they think they are versus where they want to be. And also if they can, if they know anyone in the organization to nominate, hey, I think this person, if I was to rate this person on where they are now in terms of the technical ability versus where they are, I would plot them here. And then you can gather that information and share it with the client. So you're not selling, but you're saying this is where your people, they report it to us, it wasn't our observation. This is where they think uh, their, their colleagues are. This is where they need them to be. There's a gap here. We can suggest doing X, Y, Z as an example. So that is one way based on the fact that you've already got follow-ups in the can. Where I wanted to focus today's I guess, specifics on is recognizing how powerful our weapon our workshops can be. It's the ultimate showcase of our ability, right? And we absolutely need to take a marketing approach to the work that we do. I think I preach enough about that on here, but what does that actually look like? The The topic of optimizing and orchestrating word of mouth in your workshops, it's, it's such a big topic that I created a whole module for it in Booked Out Facilitator. It's called Workshops That Drive Word of Mouth Referrals. There are many elements. So let's focus specifically on the workshop itself as the tool, as opposed to how you work pre and post workshop, opening a story loop with your client. Um, also, instead of giving all the answers away, what I'd love to do to, for you today is provoke you to start thinking about some of the lessons and ideas here related to word of mouth marketing and your workshops and consider how could these apply to you in your specific context? How can you weave these elements in? And this might be new to you and there might be some resistance as you think about this, thinking, well, my program is too technical. There's no way we could optimize it using word of mouth or we've tried certain things. I encourage you, if you can, to have a growth mindset around this. It, it, it is hard to, to break the mold of what you do. So absolutely listen to the question, sit with it, play with the question and see how you go with that. So let's take a simple example of a word of mouth workshop that spread like wildfire in the organization I was working for. So I'm going back to my old corporate days for this example. This is where I started leading a workshop. It just went viral. It went, it spread like wildfire. I ended up booking myself out as a facilitator, even though that wasn't really my core job. Yes, it was using an external assessment tool. I may have mentioned this tool once or twice on the show. That's a joke, by the way. I pretty much talk about this tool every episode. The tool is the Clifton Strengths Assessment. So when I ran it for the first time for this organization, it was for a group of 20 asset managers. They were from across Australia and they flew into Brisbane. I think their manager was just after two hours of babysitting, like just needed a couple of people to come in and teach them about communication. So they reached out and asked for this workshop and having just taken the strengths assessment, I was in love with it, super fan and advocate. And I thought, surely this will work with their team. Like if they even love it, uh, like 20% of what I love it, we're on to we're a really good thing here. So the session went great, even though I was definitely a first-time facilitator for the Clifton Strengths tool. I delivered it on a Thursday and by Monday had asset managers across Australia calling up and demanding, okay, maybe that's strong. They wanted, they wanted a strength session for their teams. So this then led on to various mining projects around Australia reaching out and wanting sessions too. Um, people in corporate wanting it. I also ran it for various teams across Indonesia when I was back and forth working there a few times in 2018. I've also had follow-up success with this when I ran it for a retail conference. It was a two-day conference. And then after that, the managers there wanted a deeper dive 
with their teams as well. So it's a great tool for that. So I think it helps to re-engineer success like this and maybe think around your own experiences. Have you ever delivered a workshop which has had a life of its own where it's spread across teams, functions and regions? Have you been a participant in a workshop and you can't stop raving about it? Think about those two questions first. Why I think the, the Clifton Strengths tool is so powerful is the language that it uses. It talks about strengths, like so 34 strengths. Strengths are worth sharing. They're worth talking about. The report is personalized. People resonate with it. I like personally, I just couldn't believe how much it described myself. And I've had that response across so many sessions. People read it and go, I feel like this report is talking about me. It also helps them understand other people's perspectives and not through a lens of it being a weakness. We're not compelled to talk about our weaknesses as much, are we? So I'm not the only one that has said this. When I went to the Clifton Strengths Conference in, in Omaha back in 2019, my fellow facilitators, strengths coaches said the same thing. The tool creates its own momentum. And you start talking about it to your colleagues for various reasons. So these include, one, it's bragworthy. You're talking about your strengths. You want to share it. Like, yeah, this is what, you know. And so, yeah, of course, I'm going to share. I'm ideation number one. I love it. Like I said, it's personalized to you. So you feel special. Number three, by sharing it, you help people understand your own working style, which can help a team. So it's worth sharing and talking about. And four, there are resources that spot the gap of where you are and where you want to be. I'm not telling you this in any way to say, start running strengths workshops, but to demonstrate some elements of creating a workshop that sells itself. So let's start thinking about what you offer, about what you deliver. Can you connect some of what creates a great strengths workshop that sells itself to your topic. Let's look at number one. It's brag worthy. Is there something about your workshop that is brag worthy? Yes, you can think about your content, but also remember during, remember our face-to-face sessions, the most brag worthy element was the location. People talk about it. They share it. They love sharing those epic views Um, and what they're up to in workshops. Also, great food, (laughs) great coffee art, an interesting slide with a quote that smacks them in the face with the truth. These are all types of things that people will share. My friend, voice coach Sally Prosser, she runs a voice and vino session, and what she does is sends out bottles of vino before her event. Yes, she even posts them to you if you are joining virtually. So think outside the format and consider what is something brag-worthy Someone feels so proud and excited they were at your session that they want to share that with other people that you can incorporate into your sessions. Point number two from strengths is that it's personalized to you, so you feel really special. Angela Henderson was on the show sharing how she creates human connections at her Women in Business conference. What I remember from that conversation with her is that instead of putting her logo on pens and mugs for the event, she gets her participants' companies' logos printed on all of their merchandise. How great is that? Sure, you're thinking that costs money. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> what about tools like tech tools like Slido, Mentimeter, where you get question and answers, where you can also, by the way, looking at Zoom chat is such a great tool as well. So after a session, what you'll see, I mean, hope you might be contributing and answering things as you go along through your workshop, 
uh, through your virtual workshop. But I, I would also recommend saving the chat. There is so much gold dust in that. What you can do then is target and have personal answers for people um, and follow up with them and provide specific responses to the things that they shared or the perspectives that they shared as well, whether it's an interesting video. It's just another way of adding value. But you're also opening that story loop by answering their question. And also, so you're providing value, you're getting on their radar screens again, which I talk a lot about in my program. Um, but you could also provide an avenue for them to learn more as well. The next point about strengths and white works is that by sharing it, you actually help people understand your working style, which can help a team. So it's worth sharing and talking about. It's worth discussing because it helps you out. My question for you then is, what are you uncovering for your participants in this session that gives them a reason to tell someone else? And it's usually personally motivated, <laughs> okay? So strengths, DISC, TMS, any type of behavioral tool works because what it does, it creates a conversation between people who work together, sharing their favorite way of communicating and influencing with other people. For example, I might do my strengths tool and I feel compelled to share that with my manager because... They might like, why does Leanne like change her mind on projects? And it's like, well, this is something that happens with ideation. So I'm willing to talk about it because it's in my best interest that she understands how I work. I know that sounds quite meta. Um, people also share things because it makes them appear smarter. It actually raises their status. So I used to remember when facilitators, uh, sessions I would attend, they'd share random facts and statistics that would blow my mind, stories in class as well. And I'd just go out and tell other people. And if they ever asked, well, how did you find that out? I would then talk about the workshop experience I'd just been to. I wouldn't claim it. I would, I would share the workshop. You don't need to create a strengths assessment, uh, anything complex like that. What I think you do know is you need a, a matrix or a map or some, a process where they can see what like the transformation is from attending your workshop. And, and this is in the context of corporate training, by the way, as opposed to pure group facilitation and where they are now. If you can in some way map where they are now with versus where they would like to be, the aspiration whether it's an X and Y axis, uh, four box matrix, whether it's a, like a process map where it's four levels, like a Maslow's hierarchy, a pyramid perhaps. What you're doing there is they are assessing themselves on something that you've created. They know they need to be on the, on the process map that you created. So then they'll seek you out for the answer. You could also use it as a tool and get them to map where other people in their team may be as well. So in the context of strengths, again, it helps for my manager to know where I sit, but it would also help if I'm working in a project team with people across different functions and regions coming together. It also helps for them to know what I where I am as well. I hope I'm not taking, making this, I think I'm making this overcomplicated, but what I'm saying is it helps to have some type of framework or tool where people can assess where they are, where they need to be, and also plot out the people that matter most to them in, within their network and where they would like those people to be as well. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> okay, just let me know if it doesn't. Uh, and that goes to anyone that's listening. Thank you. And if we move away from the self-assessment thing and just answer that question, what are some ways or what are some reasons that people would share the content of your workshops, keeping in mind that we're driven by our own motivations? If I'm a middle manager and I share this information or get another department to take this program, Will that make my life easier? If I answer yes, well, I definitely want that other team on board and I'll definitely be talking about your workshops as a tool to help them get there. 
So in this scenario, I don't think it's a case of WIIFM. That stands for what's in it for me. I think it's a case of with Mitzi, I've just written that out. What's in it for me if I tell someone else? With Mitzi, what's in it for me if I tell someone else? That's where your thinking needs to go to make this effective. My final point was with strengths, there are resources that spot the gap of where you are and where you need to be. And the resources are there to fill that gap. There's like so many great YouTube videos and podcasts on strengths to help you maximize your potential. So if you want to open the loop with your workshop, well, the good thing, we all know this, every podcast guest has said it, we can't fix things and solve things in single sessions. The embedding piece is where the magic happens. In keynote speeches, it's all about sharing the aspiration. In a keynote speech, though, you want to inspire people to take action. But in a keynote, you don't tell them how they're going to get there. That's where a workshop can kickstart that process of getting your participants to where they want to be. But as we know, this requires focus, attention, and along the way, perhaps a bit more specialized knowledge or nudging from us, the expert trainer slash facilitator. So do you have free resources that you can share to help people reach where they want to go? And when they use those materials, do you include an offer for a conversation to guide them through using that specific tool? How can you position yourself as the person to assist with ongoing work regarding embedding this work? And to my question, Oscar, you mentioned that you've got ongoing work with technical implementation. Like I said, that is magical. While you're there, just pay attention. If they're saying, oh, this team, they don't understand and they're making it really hard for us. There is your opportunity to share your solution and how you can help them out. Now, the moral of this story isn't to go out and get strengths accreditation and just start running strengths workshops. It's about weaving in elements of what makes a message spread into your workshop. What makes it worth talking about, worth sharing? What's the message worth posting about? It's creating that remarkability within your workshop experience. And if there's a book I can recommend that really dives into this, and it's really making me think about that linking of orchestrating word of mouth with our workshops. The book is called Contagious by Jonah Berger. I've also got his other book, Invisible Influence, which I am yet to start, but he also talks about trigger events. What would make someone talk about your workshop that would ignite that discussion, that would spark it off? Is there something on the desktop they would use every day to provide that trigger? Is there a catchphrase or a hashtag that create that memorable experience that you could call your workshop? One of the events that I ran for the Professional Speakers Association of South Africa. Hello, if, uh, Yoko, if you're listening um, and anyone else that was there, but we called it, how do you do that? And the reason we called it that, because that is what people say when they see something cool that is done virtually. The question they ask is, how do you do that? So that is a trigger phrase that I hope now will, will remind them of that workshop. They're like, how do you do that? Oh, that's right. Leanne ran a workshop on this topic. So what language are they using uh, and I, again, I talk about this in my in my program is learning the lyrics of your audience and getting very comfortable with the language they use, not the language that you use. Any model that you develop, think about the marketing potential in it. Is there a metaphor, a cartoon, a cool image, colors that you can use to brand it, handouts you provide? Is there any way that you can create the best looking one page of cheat sheet, an infographic, uh, something they would put on their virtual backgrounds or computer desktop? With all the resources you provide, are you including your website, your favorite hashtag, your brand colors? Is there a quote, a message that's worth getting designed or adding a fun image? And it's so compelling that your participants want to grab their phones 
and take a photo of it. I could go on and on. I love combining marketing and workshops. So yeah, here's just a small sample of ideas that I've accumulated over the last few years as I combine my two favorite things, my two favorite loves, sausage, I mean, I was going to say sausage jogs, no, marketing and workshops. So I'd absolutely love to see you for my masterclass on next week. Steal my booked out facilitator framework to land repeatable workshop bookings, which you can register for at at leannehuse.com forward slash webinar. If you enjoyed some of these ideas, I think you'll like the more advanced version of, of where I'm taking this. See you there.